Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Today is May 31st. It is Tuesday. I'm recording. Um, I'm getting ready to go out of town this week to Jackson, Tennessee, where I'm working with the professional firefighters of Jackson, Tennessee for at a convention. I'm doing post-traumatic purpose in the morning and in the evening I'm doing a comedy event. I'm super excited. Um, how was everybody's Memorial Day? I hope you had a I hope you had a good, safe Memorial Day. Um, I certainly had a, had a good time with my family. We had a good time and now I'm back on the farm and packing, getting ready to go. I, uh, I cut, I cut the air conditioner off to the farm for whatever reason. When, when I left the other day and I came back and the, damn, it is hot in this house. So I'm, I'm sitting here literally with my titties out recording. I feel like I'm in a sauna. I, I when I tell you I'm sweating, I am. I'm literally sitting here sweating like a cucumber in a women's prison. Like it's, it is, it is hot. And I think it's actually going to damage my computer being in this kind of heat right now, but damn it, we, we need to get one recorded. So that's what we're going to do. I got some big news for y'all. Um, and the big news is this. I, I had a beer hold up, stop the press about a week and a half ago. I was out, my wife and I, we, we had to take, put our, we had to take our kids somewhere. They went to a birthday party and we were out driving around and we swung into this place to grab lunch. And as we were sitting there, I haven't drank a drop of alcohol in 10 years. All right. And I just said, you know what? Now's the time. I said, I, I think I'm ready to have a beer. And it was kind of neat. Uh, I asked the guy for a beer. My wife looked at me like I was crazy and she goes, what are you doing? Are you just going to look at it? I said, no, I'm going to drink this motherfucker. And that's what I did. I sat down. I had one beer. I had a Corona extra. Um, and it felt kind of good. Like I, I thought like, I guess what I'm, I guess the reason I'm telling you this is because I'd worked so hard for 10 years to not drink a drop of alcohol. And what it has become for me is like a challenge each time or almost like a milestone. Like every time you don't have a beer when people are drinking, it's like you get really proud of yourself. But the thing is like this, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm no longer dependent on alcohol. I don't consume alcohol on a regular basis. Having a beer from time to time, there's nothing wrong with that. I needed that 10 year break because what I was doing was drinking myself to sleep at night. I was drinking to get drunk when I would drink. And I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to have one beer 
and call it a day. And that's what we did. And I was super, I was super proud of myself in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is really cool. But afterwards, I was like, honestly, I had a buzz. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had a little buzz and I went to the grocery store and it was kind of fun. Um, but after that, I was like, you know what? I don't feel the need to start drinking again. Uh, I just, I just had that one. So what I want to tell you is this, if you have eliminated alcohol from your life and it was impeding, um, your production as a human being and you take it out of your life, maybe you were consuming too much. So I guess what I'm getting at is it's all right every once in a while to just have a sip or two or have a beer. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I get, I get invited out all the time where people are drinking and they want to have drinks. I'm like, no, thanks. I don't drink. And a lot of times what it, what used to get me was the peer pressure. Right. And it was, I shouldn't say it didn't get me. It's people would, I would have grown men look at me and be like, well, what do you want drink? You're, are you a pussy? And they would say things like that. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, I'm a pussy because I don't, I don't drink alcohol. What well, you fucking moron? But a lot of people, they give into that because they don't want to be scrutinized like that. So they don't want to feel like all eyes are on them and they're not drinking and they can't be um, a part of the part of the crowd. So they go and they go, they go back to drinking and uh, I, I, I hate it for them because, you know, one of the things. I'm gonna brag on my daughter here. She just won, she just won the the Margaret Thatcher Award at her school. And essentially, what it was was the teacher wrote up this little thing that says that my my oldest daughter, um, she makes her own independent decisions without fear of judgment from other people. And that made me super proud as a father because I teach my girls at very early age. And I don't look, I'm not saying I'm father of the year. I'm not saying I'm doing it right. But my hope is this. My hope is that by teaching my kids at a young age to not be so concerned about what everybody else is doing, what they're saying, what they're thinking, that hopefully someday when they're met with those bad choices, that they can look at those people and say, you know what, that's not for me. And I don't need to do that just to fit in with you. I guess at the end of the day, I'm saying, don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to do the things you want to do and do, or, or don't do the things you don't want to do. Be confident in yourself. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. Not trying to turn this into an AA meeting here by any means, but I'm just super proud of myself. I went 10 years without having a drink of alcohol. Did I reset the clock? Sure. Um, but did I, did I get drunk and, and become dependent on that, that drink? No, I did not. So I still see it as a win for me. I was sitting on my, um, I was sitting on my porch this morning and I was watching the deer feed out in my front pasture. And man, if you ever just get to sit and watch deer, there's no other animal that, I mean, I, I'm sure somebody will correct me on here and I shouldn't say this, but there aren't many animals out there that behave like deer do. They are so watchful and so on guard and hyper vigilant. And that's what I was kind of like when I was watching them, I was thinking about myself and I was thinking about how they never get to relax and how exhausting it is. They'll put their head down, they'll pick it back up. They'll put their head down, they'll pick it back up. They can't even enjoy a nice little meal without feeling a sense of, of a threat uh, ruining their day. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit today. It's that hypervigilance. And it's why why are we this way? Because a lot of us know that, or many of us know, 
that things go bad. And that's our world. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too, too in depth of this, but I want to say this. I was just, uh, I was just out on the boat with my family, uh, over on Memorial day, actually yesterday. And we took the boat down to Charleston. We we're in the waterways and everything. And while I'm on the boat, we had, we had friends with us and they had their kids on the boat and I had my girls on the boat. So now I'm responsible for everybody on this boat and I'm watching, I'm watching everybody have a good time and I'm watching everybody just enjoy the sun, the waves, the, the, the drinks that are going on the boat, the food, the snacks. When we tie up to other boats after we stop driving for a little while, uh, everybody's just completely relaxed. And I say I enjoyed the day. It was nice to get out, but I did not relax. I actually had chest pains the entire day into the night last night because of the anxiety that was going through my body. And this is completely normal. So it's normal for people that have experienced horrible things in life. And I think what it was, was my body on edge all day, letting me know something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen, but it's not going to happen because you're going to prevent it from happening because you're going to see it coming from a mile away. You are going to prevent something horrible from happening. You're actually going to save everybody's life. And they're not even going to know that you saved their life today. And that's the crazy part. Like it really feels like that sometimes at the end of the day, we, we untied our boats and we're all heading back. And I had my buddy Dave sitting next to me while we're driving through, uh, it's down, it's a a river called the Wanda river. And it's a really wide river. There's a lot of boats out there and people drive like fools. They're flying by and I saw this one boat way ahead. I mean, probably maybe maybe a thousand yards out. It was way out there. And something told me that this boat is going to cut in front of me. Now, it was way too far out to even to even imagine that happening. When you're on the river, most people, they hold their lane of travel. They, they're not zigzagging all over the place. I say most because sometimes they do. But something about this boat told me, that it was going to cut in front of us and I needed to change my course of direction. I almost looked at Dave and said, Hey dude, watch this boat, watch what this motherfucker does. But I didn't. And what ended up happening is about 500 yards out. Now about 200 yards out. It was getting, it was, we were closing in pretty quickly. The boat just for no reason shoots in front of me and goes to my left to their right and creates a wake, which is, if you don't know what boating is, that means wave creates this horrible wave that now I have to, I have to either accelerate or stay, stay wide open and hit this thing and, and potentially risk all these little girls on the bow of my boat flying off or throttle down. So I had to throttle down and it pissed me off, man. And I just kind of looked at that person when they went by and I contemplated, you know, like if everybody wasn't on this boat, like pulling up next to him and just like keep my thoughts to myself here, but you can imagine, right? And that's what I'm getting at, man. It's people have zero regard for other people's safety. There's, there's zero courtesy sometimes. And so I thought to myself, I said, all right, Travis, is this really a big deal? Was that really a big deal or am I making it a big deal internally? And I felt like at the time, you know what, maybe I'm making it a big deal. So we pull to the, we pull up to the, uh, the landing, the boat landing and we let everybody out. I load up and we go home. Everything's good. I wash the boat down and I call my dad. And my dad, he told me earlier that day, call me, let me know how your day went. I was like, all right. So I call him and when we get home, my dad tells me this. He goes, did you watch the news tonight? I said, no. He goes, 
a family of five people were just killed in a boat in Savannah, Georgia, which is right down from where I grew up. I grew up in Bluffton, South Carolina, but the waterways all down there, they're kind of run close together. And I grew up in a lot of the, the waterways down there, not in this particular waterway, but it was close to where I grew up. Apparently some drunk boater hit another boat head on and killed four members of the family, excuse me, killed four members of one family and then their friend that was with them. So killed five. And it made me sit back in my chair and I thought of, I was like, you know what? I was right in feeling the way that I felt on the boat. I was right in seeing that boat as a per, perceiving it as a threat. And even though nothing bad happened, I didn't feel bad for that. Like I didn't feel bad for feeling the way that I felt because I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up. Initially I was, I was like, man, is, is, am I, is something wrong with me? Why do I see everything as a threatening, um, gesture? And then I, that just confirmed it. Cause that could have happened to us, you know? And it's, it's, it's just sad that there's people out there that are, uh, so inconsiderate of other people. They're out there drinking and putting themselves behind the wheel of anything. And now an innocent family has to pay for it. Um, I would love to get into my personal thoughts on the man that did that, but I, you know what, with the way things are these days, you just can't. So anyhow, what say you, I hate that saying, what say you, when you get anxious feeling, do you, do you feel bad for it? Because it's almost like every time I get anxious, nothing ever happens ever. I talk about this in my course, post-traumatic purpose. I was like, I've been out of the, of the emergency service for, for a long time. And I've never experienced one bad thing since then. It was just when I was in there because that's the world that I operated in. And so the world is generally a safe place. And I I'm tired of having chest pains. I get tired of being so anxious and, and only seeing bad things happen. Like I, I, when we were riding in that boat, I actually visualized all the little girls that were on that boat flying out and going up underneath our boat and, and the prop hitting them. I actually visualized this happening and this is the hard, the hard truth about trying to have fun when you're with a family uh, and your friends. And how do I look at my friend Dave, who's standing next to me, and be like, "Hey, man! So what I just saw in my mind was us hitting that wave, and your daughters flying off the boat and going up underneath the boat with my daughters, and us running them over and cutting them in half with with the prop." Um, are you thinking about that right now? Because I promise you, Dave doesn't. Dave's in construction, and he's not thinking along those same lines. But this is the headspace that I get into, and I know it's not just me. I know there's a lot of you out there who do the same exact things day in and day out, situations from situation, and it's exhausting. And I'm trying to not be that way because I want to have fun. Like I say, growth is growth is a beautiful thing. It's it's wonderful to actually start growing in all these different ways, but it doesn't all happen overnight, right? So this is something I've, I've been working on is trying not to see the bad in the good, right? I focus, I always talk about seeing the good in the bad, but what I need to work on is not seeing the bad in the good, if that makes sense. Like during the good times when we're having fun and everybody's having a good time, just be in the moment. I did roll up on a heart attack, um, Last Saturday on the lake, we rolled up on um, a boat, and I saw two ladies in this pontoon boat. They were hysterical. They were tied up to the dock, and one of them was going nuts, and you just knew something was wrong. The other telltale sign something was wrong was the fucking ambulance was sitting at the landing with the lights on, so that was a pretty good indicator something was wrong. And I watched 
I watched another boat um, kind of get close and they were watching, but they were just kind of being nosy. And that, that kind of pissed me off because it's like you can tell somebody needs help. If you're going to be nosy, fucking help, right? And so I started pulling over there. My wife goes, what are you doing? I go, we're going to find out if we can help these fucking people. I don't know what's going on. And uh, I pull up and I ask them, the lady, I'm like, ma'am, do y'all need some help? And she goes, yes. She was crying. She was hysterical. And she says, we need to, we need to load my dad's boat up. Well, her dad just had a fucking heart attack and they were loading him up and taking him out of there. And, and I don't think it turned out well for him because I later learned that they put him on a helicopter and flew him out. But so long story short is I went over and got his truck and backed it down in the water. And I remember when I was backing his truck down in the water, it was a nice Dodge Ram um, 1500. It was very clean when we got in it and or when I got in it and I was backing it down and I was thinking, you know, that man is probably dead on a helicopter and another man's driving his truck right now. And I don't know, it was just a weird kind of somber feeling, but a couple other gentlemen helped. We got in the water and had to um, hand load his boat because the key was broken to it. We couldn't get it started. So we had to walk it off of the dock or with a, with a, a dock line and uh, walk it over to the trailer. I was chest deep in the water and we had to like line it up and winch it all up and everything. And I just, you know, you felt for that family and I always, I always tell my wife this and I'll tell all of you this. I, I, I always believe in the next man up philosophy. All right. And this is why so many people are so dependent without even realizing that they're dependent on other people. When you go, I'll use boats for instance, right? When you go to a boat landing, a lot of times you'll see the person who operates the boat. They're doing everything. They're driving the truck down to the, to the boat to drop the boat off. They're unloading the boat. They're tying the boat up to the dock. They're walking back up to the truck and pulling the boat to the hill. And then they're driving the boat. And what I mean by that is this. Everybody in that boat is just along for the ride. And nobody else in that boat knows how to operate the boat. They, do, they wouldn't know how to get themselves out of a shit sandwich if shit broke bad. They wouldn't know how to get the boat back to the dock. They wouldn't know how to load the boat to get it out of there if there was an emergency. Case in point, I told my wife this. I said, look, you need to learn everything about driving this boat. Cause if I get out here and something happens to me, you all are fucked, you know, that, and that's just, that's just the honest truth. You need to know how to call for help other than nine one one. What are you going to tell them? You're in a river somewhere. How many times do you think, uh, when, when you go out on a boat with somebody, how many times do they sit there and they look up your GPS location on your Garmin that's, that's sitting there on the, um, on the dashboard? They don't even know what those numbers mean, the latitude, longitude. If they had to call for help, they wouldn't even know what they're fucking looking at. And that's what I mean. People are dependent on other people not realizing they're dependent. They're depending on you to just handle everything. And you can't do that. Next man up, you have to know other people's jobs. And that's the big thing about the Marine Corps is it's like you always knew the man in front of you. You always knew his job. I wouldn't say you knew it, but you had an idea on how to do it. So if he went down, somebody could pick up the torch and keep moving. And that's important for me to teach my family and to teach my little girls for sure. Like you need to understand how to do things. That's very important that you don't become dependent on somebody. And I talk about this financial, financial independence thing. I saw, um, I saw judge Judy. Uh, it was a, it was a meme. It was a TikTok, And I must've watched that thing 30 times because I teach my girls the same thing. She was talking, judge Judy was talking about don't ever become for, for women to never become dependent financially on a man because you are, you are then, if you become financially dependent to a man, you become pretty much 
enslaved to that without even realizing it. If something happens to that man and you, you're, you're 15, you're 20 years in and he can no longer provide for you, what are you going to do? And that's what she was talking about. She said, everybody, everybody needs to possess a skill set that they can earn a living off of. And I have seen a lot of men and women alike. This isn't a sexist thing. I've seen them become codependent, right? Or dependent upon one another. I've seen men become dependent on women, women dependent on other men. And when you step back and you look at it, you're like, how would you provide for your family if you didn't know how to go out and earn for your family? That's always been a big thing for me, you know, and look, hats off to single moms and hats off to stay at home moms. I get it. Listen, because I'm not trying to say everybody needs to be out there working, but in the event the provider goes down, how are you going to step up and take place of that provider? If that makes sense. I think one of the hardest jobs in the world is, is a stay at home mother. It's, it's very, very difficult. Um, I tried staying home with my kids for five minutes one one time and couldn't do it at all. Just couldn't do it. So I understand that. But if you're if you're a stay-at-home parent, do you possess skills? And this isn't me beating you down. This is me hopefully trying to light a fire, hopefully trying to motivate you just a tad or, or to make you take a, a thought inside of yourself like, hey, wait a minute. Maybe he's got a point. I do if if the the breadwinner of our family goes down if we don't have this magnificent insurance policy how are my children going to thrive how am i going to thrive think about that that's very important i don't know what got me onto this but you know i was thinking earlier about i'm i'm always very encouraging and open minded to growing i i try i try my hardest to not be so stubborn that i'm that old school I'm setting my ways kind of mindset. I don't care if I'm 70 or 80 years old. I don't ever want to be set in my ways because what that tells me is I'm not open-minded to, to growth and I no longer want to grow as a human being. And, and think about that. It's when, when we close off our minds so much, well, this is the way I've always done it. And this is the way it's going to be. Well, there's so many other ways to do things. And it's just a very narrow minded way of thinking. And I truly believe that by not becoming so set in our ways, you can open yourself up to so many more experiences and to a level of growth that is beyond comprehension. I've, I've certainly experienced it, experienced it and it's intoxicating. It's actually, it's addicting. It's kind of, it's kind of cool to not be so focused on the way like my way or the highway kind of thing. And that's how I was for a long time. I was, I was very adamant. Like we're going to do things the way I fucking say, do it. And that's it. And I, and I, I realized I was wrong with that. And I don't really have a message here for this. And I don't really know what direction I'm going into, but I think it's important. I think it's important for people that have families to understand that because I, I see what, what my way of thinking was doing to my family. And I see how me being open-minded now and allowing myself to grow as a man, I see the difference that that's made and the impact that that's made. And it's tremendous. And I want to be encouraging to other people who are like me, who are going through things like me and feel like, um, like 
like they're just stuck in this rut. Well, the reason part of a part of the time, or I don't even know the words I'm looking for. Oftentimes when you're stuck in a rut, it's because of your way of thinking. It's because you can't think outside of the box or you're not allowing yourself to, to grow outside of the box. Fuck thinking. How about growing outside of the box? Let's think, let's talk about that. Sometimes we'll, we'll think outside of the box, but we won't do it because we've never done it. And it's, um, we don't, we don't want to try new things. We're so set in our ways. And I believe that stunts our growth as human beings. And that's really all I got to say about that. It's try to try to be open-minded. Uh, next time, next time you're with a spouse and they have a suggestion. I was big on this. I did, I wouldn't even hear that suggestion. It's like, yeah, whatever. Or next time you're with your, your crew, if you're at the fire department or just with anybody, if you're one of those people that it's always your way, let somebody else have their way for a change. I'm telling you it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard because we're selfish people. But when we, when we have to have everything our way, but try to do something outside of your comfort zone. And that that's, I think that's part of it. It's, it's, we don't like relinquishing control even over, we don't even like relinquishing control of our thoughts, let alone our actions. But sometimes I think it's healthy to let go of those thoughts and let go of those actions and let somebody else take the reins and control it for a little while, a little while. I know a lot of people that struggle with post-traumatic stress also struggle with depression and I don't have the clinical, um, diagnosis for why that is. I don't, I don't know the percentages of people who have PTSD and also have depression with it. I don't know if it's always comes together. I don't know that I'm not trying to come up with the answer for that, but I do know this. I know depression is exhausting and I know that it's heavy and then it, and it weighs you down and a lot like many times you don't feel like doing anything and that whole body in motion stays in motion and a body at rest stays at rest. There is no truer statement. It is so hard sometimes for me, like in the mornings, just, just getting going. And I've always found that if you can just take the first steps, that that is the hardest part. It's just getting, getting going, getting the momentum to get moving and I, I, I tell people like this, get out of the fucking house. If you have depression, if you have post-traumatic stress, depression, all of that, and you want, you want it to go away for a time, get out of the house and force yourself to get out, go for a drive, go to the store. And, it, and you may have to, man, there's been times where I'll go to the store and I'm walking around aimlessly in a store. And all I want to do, the, all of the energy that I have is actually drawing me back to the house. Because it wants me to recluse. It wants me to go back in and take a nap. And it wants me to just lay on the couch. But I refuse to fucking do it. Because I know once I do, you just get caught in that trap. And that just becomes normal. You know, depression, you hear these stories about people laying in bed for weeks at a time. I mean weeks. And look, I don't have a mild case of this. I had some, still do, severe case of it. So... I think I'm qualified to talk on it. Am am I qualified to talk about it from an educational standpoint? No, but I can tell you what I go through. And if it applies to you, I would highly suggest incorporating some of this into your life and you can see a change. I'm a 44 year old man. Obviously I've lost testosterone. I've lost a lot of energy over the years, but I still, um, at 44, I'm not an 80 year old man, but sometimes I feel like it. Sometimes I feel like, man, I just need to lay down 
for a little while. And when I feel like that, that's when I leave. That's when I get out of the house because that laying down shit will, will suck you in. You'll end up in front of a television. You'll end up not doing shit with your life. And think about, think about how many days I'm not trying to sound like a soap opera here. Think about how many days of our lives we spend not doing anything productive. And I promise you at the end of your life, if you had a chance to take all of those days and cash them in on production, that's exactly what you would do. So why not get up and battle this thing? Don't succumb to it. Next time, go. I don't care what it is you do. Like tonight, I got home. I got back to my farm. And I honestly, I just wanted to curl up in a ball and just lay down because I'm going on the road tomorrow and to Tennessee. And I got, I got a long week of, of shows ahead of me. And, uh, I told myself, well, Travis, you just need to rest. And when I got here, I was like, no, you need to get out and go do something active. So I went to the gym and it was hard. I stayed in there for an hour, hour and a half. And I would say I got after it, but I mean, I sweat my ass off, but I didn't get after it like I used to, but I felt great. The, the, the thing is when I came back home, I felt phenomenal. And that's, that's the part that's missing when, when you're in depression, it's hard to, um, or when you're, when you're depressed, it's hard to feel good. And so that little bit of activity made me feel good. It released the endorphins that I needed to release. So I could come down in, in, in my house here with my titties out, sweating like a cucumber in a women's prison to sit here and record this podcast. I was not going to record this today, but because I was productive, I am. So boom. A big thing in the news, like y'all know, I don't really do current events or anything, but a big thing in, in the news is that Texas school shooting. And one thing I always tell people, cause I've been asked like six ways from Sunday, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I said, like, you know what? My opinion doesn't matter, man, because I wasn't there and the situation sucks. It, it just absolutely, it, it's horrible. But no matter what I say about it, it's not going to change anything. It's, it's, um, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't like armchair quarterbacking. I don't, I don't even like in football games when somebody's like, he should have done this. It's like, motherfucker, you weren't there. How do you even rate an opinion if you weren't there? And the problem with the news is this. You're getting the information that they want you to have, which we all know now probably isn't fucking true anyway. Regardless of what you see, the cell phones, uh, they're capturing uh, scenes of parents getting pepper sprayed and locked up. Like, honestly, look, 100%. You don't even know if that's from that scene. I mean, think about it. They can use that propaganda any way they want. So I don't believe shit that I see on the news. I wasn't there. I can't say what I would have done or how those police officers should have done anything differently. What I will tell you is this. I was on a call one time as a police officer where a man went into a, this was at, um, was it Mixon and Rivers Avenue in North Charleston when I was a police officer and the man went inside with his, uh, and took his, um, his girlfriend hostage. I don't remember what year this was. It had to be between might've been, I think it was in 2004, maybe it was in 05. Um, no, I think it was 04, but anyway, it doesn't matter. The man takes his girlfriend hostage. She worked at a CVS or as a Walgreens, one of the two takes her inside, locks himself in. I believe it was in the bathroom and they wouldn't come out. He was holding her at gunpoint. And guess what? Nobody was allowed to go in because the motherfucker was barricaded at the time. And then when SWAT got there, they went in, they made entry. They found out, you know, it didn't turn out too well. They were both dead. So it was a murder suicide kind of thing. 
So you can look at that in hindsight and say, man, we should have ran in there and did this and that, but you just, you didn't know what was going on. I mean, we didn't have all of the information we needed, I guess. <sighs> it's a little different when there's a guy in a school shooting up a bunch of kids, you know, um, I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash for this, get a lot of comments, but I'm not saying I'm not praising the police department. I'm not knocking them. You know, I'm, 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 I'm Switzerland. I'm, I'm neutral in this. I wasn't there. I do know that, um, my instinct tells me that, you know, any, any person would want to go in there and stop the threat. That's what instinct tells me. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is if you've never put yourself in harm's way ever in your life for another human being, shut the fuck up. Seriously, just shut up and ask yourself, do I even rate to have an opinion on what people should have or shouldn't have done? It's that simple, I think. And if that's offensive, you know, it just is what it is. Um, Y'all know me. I try not to go. This is why I don't get political because I don't really care to hear the back and forth. I don't want to hear your messages in my DMs about, you know, what's right and what wasn't right. I just don't, I don't, I don't care. I mean, it's just a shitty situation. Um, You can look at, you know, I'm obviously a pro-gun guy. I'm a Second Amendment guy, you know, but um, guns, I'm a firm believer in guns don't kill people. Stupid people with fucking guns do. Um, I've, I've been around thousands and thousands and thousands of weapons in my life and I've never seen one of them shoot somebody, uh, by itself. All right. So that's kind of what I'm getting at with that. So take what you want from it. That's my stance. Um, I don't think guns should go anywhere. I do think there's a problem with society and how we're raising our children. And I think there's a problem with um, us being so pussified that we're afraid to throw consequences on people anymore. We are too afraid to let people learn from their fucking mistakes. We have too many fatherless homes. Uh, we, we have no respect for authority anymore. And that is what's led us to where we are. Because when I was a young man, these things did not happen. When my father was a young man, these things did not happen. But now it's happening time and time and time again. And if you look what's changed, it's all of the things that I just mentioned. It's you have kids that don't have either one or both parents ever home. Both parents are working. If you look back in the day, a lot of times, like I know when my father was young, um, a lot of the women stayed home with kids. There was somebody home and then a father would go out and work and come home. Now, there's a lot of houses where both parents are working. And then when they come home, it's time for dinner and that's it. There's no real relationship with their children. There's no real bond there. I'm not saying that's everybody, but I'm saying that there, this is happening. I've seen a lot of fatherless homes where the mothers are getting bulldozed by kids and the mothers are doing everything they can possibly do, but they are just getting bulldozed by the kids. It's as, just as important for a father to be in a home just as it is a mother. Um, I... I don't like kids. This is just my personal opinion. I don't think kids should be playing violent video games. And this isn't me being an old grumpy man. I don't think kids should be listening to music with a a lot of um, death and killing in it. I think what happens over time is it desensitizes the human brain. And I talk about um, suicide ideation in my class. And I talk about how 
we actually end up rewiring our brains to not fear fight or flight any longer. And that's how we're able to um, kill ourselves. It's because there comes a point in your life. One of the hardest things for a human being to do is to hurt themselves. That's one of the hardest things. The only way to, to override that fear is to desensitize yourself to something. And I think we have a, obviously a mental health problem. We have a mental health crisis in, in the world. And I think it has to do with a lot of the technology that's out there, a lot of the disconnect that's out there between parents, between, um, you know, kids, you know, kids um, playing video games and having their face in a phone. Go to a restaurant next time and watch a family eat. And nine times out of ten, we just this just happened not not too long ago. I watched a mother have to beg her daughter to put her phone away because the daughter's face was glued in the phone. And I was like. That phone, if that were my, would be upside that fucking wall and that, that girl wouldn't have a phone anymore. That's, but parents don't parent hard anymore and they let these kids get away with whatever they want to get away with. And then what they do is they end up growing up without any kind of consequences in their life. Now this is just me and old dumbass giving my, my, my thoughts on the world, but there's something to it, man. Something is clearly missing from when. I was a kid and when my father was a kid and then his, his father was a kid and so on and so forth. It's only getting worse. So what's missing? You know, it's, it's the parents in the homes. It's the music. It's the goddamn, it's the games and it's the lack of consequences. And quite, quite honestly, it's your fucking feelings. It's, well, I can't go pee in this restroom without offending this person. And it's just, what are we doing? Again, this is going into more of a, I guess, a political stance or not even political stance, but an opinionated stance. And I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not trying to go there. I am upset about that school shooting though, man. That's, um, that's hard shit. And just hope that, um, those families can find some kind of peace. How I don't know how you fucking do it, but man, thoughts are certainly with them. I'm big into, and I'm not saying by any means, I'm not saying I'm perfect because like y'all know me, I'm very transparent. I'm fucked up in a lot of ways, but I really try to be as involved with my children's lives as possible. And have I missed the mark a bunch of times, but I, I keep trying. Um, I don't blame what I went through anymore on it. Um, I know I went through something different, something difficult, and it did what it did, but it allowed me to grow as a man and it allowed me to grow as a father. And I think that me not checking out is single-handedly the, the, the best thing I could have ever done for my children is hanging in there and working on myself and recognizing I need to work on me. And this isn't anybody else's fault. And this isn't anybody else's problem. This is my problem and I need to fix it. And I think a lot of you that are going through similar struggles, if when you can realize that it's all you, you control you and it's nobody else's fault, your circumstances, your situation, wherever you are in life, it's all you. And when you can start owning that and accepting that, that's when you will see massive change in your life. And one by one, we stay involved with our kids' lives. And you parent how you parent. I don't care. But if you let your kids bulldoze you, they're never going to respect you. I do know that much. And I've, I've certainly seen it over the years. I've seen 
kids walk all over their parents without any fear of consequence. And I just sit there, you know, with trying not to be judgmental, but you can't help but to think like, what good is that doing this child growing up? Where are the consequences for them? So when they grow up and they're weird and all of a sudden they do crazy shit, it's because they've never had consequences. We got to get back to having consequences. I don't know how I got so off track with this podcast, but we did. I have a ton of tour dates coming up for post-traumatic purpose. Uh, this weekend, I'm in Jackson, Tennessee, but by the time you listen to this, I will I will have returned. Then I'm in Due West, South Carolina. Then I'm in Paris Island, South Carolina, Tallahassee, Florida, Peoria, Peoria Illinois, Apopka, Florida, Washington, D.C., Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Middletown, Connecticut, Des Moines, Iowa, Beaver Creek, Iowa, and Moline, Illinois. So, yeah, busy season coming up with post-traumatic purpose. Can't wait to see some of y'all out there. Thank y'all so much for supporting everything that I stand for and do. Um, again, don't don't DM me with your personal thoughts and feelings on that shit I was talking about earlier. Look, it's not trying to stir a pot or anything, but it is what it is. All right. I love y'all. Thank you.